Have you ever wanted to start over? You know, you're having one of those days where just nothing is going right. And you go, man, if I could just start over, if I could just go back to bed, hit the snooze one more time, and then I'll get up and I just could start over. Maybe you've been in a conversation before. This happens to me. I get myself in trouble a lot because my mouth works faster than my brain does. So I'll be in a conversation with somebody and I'm talking to them and like, we're talking, but we're not clicking. And I'm like, can we just start over? Like something's not right here. Can we start over? My kids will often say, dad, can we, can we start over if we're playing a game and they're losing really bad? Can we start over? Cause I'm not one of those parents that lets my kid win. I'm not a chump like that. I want to crush my kids, right? To say, Dad, can we, can we start over? When I was young, I'll probably age myself a little bit here, but when I was young, we got the latest and greatest in technology. With the newest video game system, we got the original Nintendo. And you remember on the original Nintendo, there was two buttons on the front. There was the on-off, there was the power button, and then there was this big button that said, reset. And so when you were losing really bad, you could jump out of your seat, hit that button, reset, and go, do over, start over, right? If you have ever thought to yourself, man, I could start over. I need a do-over. I could really stand to hit the reset button. I think you're in the right place today. If you've got a Bible with you, get it out, open it up. Titus chapter 3. If you've got your phone, find a Bible app, turn it on. Titus chapter 3. Titus is in the back of your Bible. It's only a couple pages long, hard to find. Don't be afraid to use your table of contents. Titus chapter three. So we've been in this sermon series called Unseen Person, and we're looking at the Holy Spirit of God. And we talked about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit is at work. We talked about the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus, right? And how the Holy Spirit allows Jesus to perform these miracles. And the Holy Spirit allows Jesus to beat temptation. One of the ways that my thinking has been challenged during this sermon series is when I think about how God has worked throughout history, I think just my mind goes to this idea that, okay, so there is God in the Old Testament, and this is like really holy God. This is creation God. This is Ten Commandments like sort of far off, these and thou's and shalls, super holy God, God of the prophets, God in the Old Testament. This is how my brain works, God in the Old Testament. And then after a while, there's, there's Jesus, right? And then Jesus, it's his life and his, and his death here on earth. They're like, okay, Jesus is in charge for a while. And that's how we see God. And then time goes on a little further. And after Jesus ascends to heaven, then he hands everything off to the Holy Spirit. And what we're finding out is that's not... True, that is not how God has worked throughout history. But instead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have always been at work. So at creation, yeah, it was God the Father creating. It was holy God, but it was also Jesus Christ. And it was the Holy Spirit at work. In the life of Jesus, of course, it was God the Son. It was Jesus at work, but we find out it was also God the Father working through Jesus and God the Holy Spirit working in Jesus that caused him and allowed him to do these incredible things. And as we move into our lives, into now and present, it's the Holy Spirit working, yes, but God the Father and God the Son are also still at work in our lives. And so it's sort of reframed my thinking as we've gone through this series. And we talked about the Holy Spirit at work in the Old Testament, and we talked about the Holy Spirit of God working in the life of Jesus. So today, and then over the next number of weeks, we're gonna sort of move the ball forward, and we're gonna say, okay, 
So how then is the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives, in your life and in mine? And today, just at the most basic sort of principle level of how the Holy Spirit is working, if you have ever wanted to start over, if you've ever needed a reset, I want to show you that the Holy Spirit, because of the Holy Spirit, we can start over. We can push that reset button. We can have a do-over. So let's jump into this thing, into the book of Titus. Let me tell you a little about what's going on, who this guy is. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to, you guessed it, a guy named Titus. Titus is a Greek Christian, and Paul tells Titus that he's supposed to go to the island of Crete. Crete is an island in the middle of the Mediterranean, and Crete is really interesting because Crete is known sort of as this place that is filled with, um, shall we say, unsavory characters, criminals, liars, in fact, the Greek word Cretans, people from Crete, the Greek word Cretans means liars. So their home literally translates as an island of liars. These are bad people. In fact, there's a bunch of uh, mercenaries. Most of the men that are there are mercenaries. They're hired soldiers. They're basically trained killers for the biggest dollar amount. But there's also a bunch of people in Crete who claim to be Christians. And it's this really important place because this island has all kinds of ports. It's really important for trade. And so the church has grown there. Lots of people claiming to be Christians, to be Christ followers. And yet the church is a mess. It's really corrupt. They're, they're sort of mixing their theology. They're taking some Greek gods and they're taking a little bit of Jesus and kind of putting it and making a, like a religion stew and they kind of just stir it up and whatever comes out, that's the religion they follow. And there's a lot of corruption in the leadership. Rich people have bought leadership roles in the church, have bought their way into power. And so this is the wild adventure that Paul sends Titus on. He says, go to Crete and go there and clean up the church. And sort of start over. What you're going to do is you're going to appoint elders of the church. And you're going to put godly men and godly women into leadership roles. And you're going to deal with some of this funny doctrine that they've, been, that they've been teaching. Clean this mess up. And then right in the middle of this letter to Titus, Paul does this incredible thing. It's so cool. He writes a poem. And he basically explains how God gives every Cretan every individual, the church and every individual in Crete, a chance to start over. And we're going to see today that even for you and I, because of the Holy Spirit, we have a chance to start over. So here's the do-over. Listen to what Paul says. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He writes and he says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. So in one sense, Paul is going, hey, listen, remember, you, you, you represent Jesus Christ. You say that you're Christ followers, you represent Jesus Christ. So essentially he's saying, Titus, tell these savages to stop killing each other, to stop lying to each other, to stop being selfish, to stop fighting, to actually think about other people and to actually love people because they represent Jesus to the world. I mean, it's pretty basic stuff. Paul's like, act like civilized human beings. Listen, verse three, he says, at one time, we too, now stop there. Who's we? Paul says, we too. 
At one time, we too. Who is that? Well, he's talking to Titus. So it's Paul and Titus. He's saying, us, Titus. We, us. At one time, we too. Listen, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. You ever had to have a hard conversation? You know, one of those you don't really want to have. You got to break up with somebody. You got to give somebody some bad news. You got to let somebody go from, from a job. Really, really hard conversation. This is a hard conversation because what Paul is saying is essentially foolish, disobedient, envious, hated, full of hatred, all these, all these things. He's saying apart from Jesus Christ, if your life doesn't intersect with Jesus, short of putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, these things that I've just said without Jesus, he goes, this is, this is who I am. And that's a really hard conversation. That's a really hard thing to hear. Certainly not what the world tells us because don't we want to believe that people are, are generally good? I mean, we know there's some bad ones. There's a few bad seeds, but don't we want to believe that for the most part, people are really good. We don't want to believe that people that we love are not good, right? It's because we love people. We want to believe the best in them. We want to believe good. I don't want to believe that my neighbors and my coworkers and my friends and my family are the things that Paul has just described, right? You hear that and you go, no, not my precious little Susie. She's an angel, right? But Paul goes, no, listen, disobedient, angry, foolish, hated, full of, full of hatred. Oh man, we don't want to believe that. And we certainly don't want to believe that this is who we were before we met Jesus. Like, no, 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 okay, apart from Jesus. Like, yes, I need Jesus. He's my savior. He's my Lord. But I mean, apart from Jesus, I'm still a pretty good person, right? That's what we, we honestly, we want to believe that. This is a hard conversation. Let me give you a couple passages just to put these in your notes because the Bible sort of frames up who we are before we meet Jesus. So in Ephesians 2, Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. Dead, apart from Jesus, dead. Psalm 51, David says, surely I was sinful at birth sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Do we want to believe that? Do we want to believe that when you, you know, when you were a little baby, that you were sinful, sinful when you were conceived? I mean, think about your own children. You hold your baby. You want to look into your baby's eyes and think this is a, a sinner. This is a fool. This is someone who's disobedient. We don't, we don't want to believe that. This is a really hard conversation. Jesus says in Luke 19, he says that he came, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Meaning what? Meaning apart from Jesus, before Jesus, we were lost. We were without hope. Jeremiah says this. He says, can a leopard change its spots? Of course not. Neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Jeremiah goes, I mean, this is brutal. Jeremiah goes, look, you're evil. I mean, apart from God, apart from the intervention of Jesus Christ, we're just evil. Listen to one more. Romans 3 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who does good, not even one. 
oh, this is hard. It's hard to hear what Paul is saying because we want to believe that people are good and yet it's just not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that we need some intervention. We need something to happen in our lives. We need some sort of do-over. We need to hit the reset button because not one of us, apart from the grace of God, not only are we not good, we're not even capable of doing anything good. Man, I know this is tough. I know it, it, it's hard to hear. I know it's heavy, but here's the thing. If we don't understand this, then we don't understand the work of the Holy Spirit. If we really want to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing and we want to understand how bad we need the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we have to understand the condition of our hearts. And it's not to beat us up. Paul's not giving us all this to beat us down and make us feel bad. He wants us to understand the condition of our hearts so that we will see this need that we have. For the Holy Spirit, he's painting a bleak picture. But listen to this, it gets better. Verse four, he said all of that through the first three verses, but verse four, he says, but, this is the biggest but in the Bible. Paul writes, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done. Remember, we're not capable of doing righteous things, but because of his Mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Here's who we were, Titus, Paul writes. Here's who we were. We were liars. We were sinners. We were dead in that sin. We were lost. We were disobedient. We were fools. But, but God in his love for us sent Jesus, not because we deserved it. We certainly didn't. In his love sent Jesus because of what? Because of, he says, mercy. Mercy is such an interesting word. Mercy is this idea that you deserve to be nailed to the wall. We deserve because of our sin, we deserve for God to just squash us, but he doesn't, right? He sends Jesus, he gives us mercy because Jesus takes the guilt that we have for our sin. He takes that. God shows us mercy by sending Jesus to die and rise again. But here's what Paul also says, because Jesus, when we talk about mercy and we talk about our salvation, Jesus always gets all the credit. And, and look, he should, right? He died on a cross. He actually hung on the cross and died. But listen to how Paul frames this. He says, God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal. By who? By the Holy Spirit. See, when we think of God... I'm pretty sure we would all agree we think of God the Father, right? Holy, perfect God, our Father. When we think of God, we, okay, God the Father, good. And when we think of God, I think for the most part, we think of Jesus. It's God in, in person, in the flesh. We've, we see him, we can touch him. People watched him, they heard him. And so we think of Jesus as God. Often though, we forget that the Holy Spirit is also God, and I'll prove it. You ever heard anybody use God 
as a curse word, right? So they hit their thumb with a hammer or they stub their toe. What do they say? They use God or Jesus as a curse word, right? You ever heard anybody use the Holy Spirit as a curse word? Ever heard anybody stub their toe? Holy Spirit, that hurts. No. And like, I'm kind of being funny, but the point is like, we, we forget that the Holy Spirit of God is God. Yes, Jesus is the one who hung on a cross and Jesus died and his death is sufficient for all of our sins. He died so that our sins could be forgiven. But it is the Holy Spirit of God that draws us to God. It is the Holy Spirit that draws us to repentance. It is the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes and reveals the truth of Christ and shows us our need for forgiveness in our lives. And we forget that. Without the Holy Spirit, yes, Jesus' death would be sufficient, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't draw us to God to receive the forgiveness of our sins, then it's just a historical fact that Jesus died. But where it becomes a transformational thing in our lives is when the Holy Spirit draws us to God and reveals the truth to us. And without the Spirit, we stay those things that Paul described. Angry, foolish, disobedient, Lost, dead. I know it's tricky. I know you might be thinking, well, we're just talking semantics, but it's important that we understand the work that goes on in our salvation. God the Father is at work. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is at work. And God the Holy Spirit is at work in our salvation. And often as the unseen person, the Spirit gets left out of this. But he plays such a significant role. Paul explains it. Let's, let, let me show you. There, he uses these two words, and I want to look at these two words. We're going to have a little theology lesson because these are important words, so stick with me for a minute. The first word that he uses is the word rebirth. He says that the Holy Spirit washes us, cleanses us. It's the idea of cleaning us through rebirth. Now, let's just talk about birth for a second. Think about birth. Okay, so birth, we know birth is a little messy, right? And birth is a little painful. They tell me, though I still contend that time I stepped on one of my kids' Legos was worse than childbirth, but we'll just have to agree to disagree on that, okay? They tell me it's messy, it's painful, but what happens after birth? You have new life. It's exciting. Something, something is born. So the word rebirth here, let me give you another word because there's probably a little bit better translation than just the word Rebirth is the word regeneration. It's this idea of the start of a whole new life. So there was this Roman leader named Cicero. Cicero was a leader and then there was like a coup and they pushed him out of town. So he was in exile for a while and then he was brought back and, the, and, and they write that he was regenerated or he was rebirthed back into this new role. When the nation of Israel returned from exile, it said that they were rebirthed or they were regenerated into Israel. When the, the flood happened, when the waters receded, it says that the earth was rebirthed or, or regenerated. That's the word that was used there. It's this rebirth is this idea of restoring something to its intended state. It's this restoration to its intended state. And so when Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the dead to give us eternal life. The work of salvation was done. But the Holy Spirit of God calls us to repentance, draws us to God, opens our eyes to see our need 
for Jesus so that we would follow him, so that we would receive the forgiveness of our sins. That's the partnership of the Holy Spirit in the salvation process. And when we do that, our sins are forgiven. That's called a rebirth. It's restoration to the person that God designed us to be. And, and when we talk about rebirth, it's really this it's really this one-time sort of deal where God declares us innocent because Christ has taken on our guilt. He has taken that guilty verdict and we become a child of God as we were intended to be. The Holy Spirit sort of reverses all of those things that we talked about earlier. So before you were dead, remember we, we saw this in Ezekiel a few weeks ago or described as a valley of dry dead, lifeless bones. But now what? We're alive. Where before Jesus, we were lost. Now in him, we are found. Where before we were not capable of doing anything to please God. Now, because of Jesus, we're able to worship him, to glorify him, to serve God. Now we are, we are children of God. And so it's in this rebirth that all that is reversed. And that's a work that takes God the Father, that takes Jesus Christ and takes the Holy Spirit to accomplish. But push into this further because we gotta go a little bit more. There's another word, okay, in our rebirth, the wrath of God, of God has been, is gone, it's been taken away. And yet, you know, you're living in this reality between the person that you are and the person that you're becoming, constantly a work in process, right, in progress. So the other word that Paul uses is the word renewal that we are renewed by the Holy Spirit. And to me, this is the idea of sort of ongoing transformation. This word renewal is only used a couple of times in the New Testament. And every time it's used, it's part of a process that we're being renewed, being renewed, being renewed, being renewed, ongoing. So we're reborn, one-time event, we're reborn in Christ. We are a new person. And yet we're constantly, constantly being renewed. And the word here is sort of like, the better word for this is sort of like renovation. So imagine if you get a house, you buy or you build a house or you buy a house and you renovate it. You have the house, it's done, but you're not done, right? You got to decorate it. There's all this ongoing stuff. You're always updating it, always tweaking it, always working on it. You've got the house, but it's this continual work. Or if you go on a diet, you lose a bunch of weight. Great, it's like a whole new person. But don't you keep going? Don't you keep eating healthy and you keep exercising and you keep getting more and more healthy? It's like this ongoing sort of process. When I think of renewal, I think of what Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations 3. He wrote this. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions or his mercies never fail. No, they're new every morning. See, this rebirth part, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're reborn. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The Bible says the old has passed away and you're, you're this, this new creation. But then it continues because renewal, re rebirth happens one time, but then renewal happens and it happens over and over and over and over again. And this is sort of an everyday thing. And even more often than that, if we'll ask, maybe it's hour by hour we need to be renewed. It's this ongoing thing where God is through the Holy Spirit renewing us. And we continue to be a work in progress all the time. Renewal, renewal, chance to start over, chance to start over, do over, do over, do over, reset, reset, reset all the time. Let me ask you a question. 
Because I know this is big theology. This is heavy. So let me ask you a question. Let me make it really practical. Let's bring this way down. Simple question for today. Do you need to start over? Is there something in your life right now where you're like, man, can I, can I get a do-over? Can I hit the reset? Now, here's the deal. If you're here joining us online and you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, you're just exploring this whole God, Jesus, Bible, church thing. Great, glad that you're here. You know, I, I wonder what you've heard today. You've heard, well, this guy called me a liar and angry and disobedient and he called me a fool. I'm probably not coming back here. No, listen, though. It's not about you. It's about all of us. That's, that's who we are. We're sinners. But God, in his incredible love, sent Jesus Christ. Again, not because we deserved it. Sent Jesus Christ to live on earth, to live a perfect life, and yet to die the death of a sinner, to bear the weight of our sin so that we could be forgiven, so I could be and you could be forgiven of your sins. You could start over. And the Bible says it's so simple. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, that you will have eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. You can be a new person, reborn today. It's as simple for you as saying, God, I, I repent. I confess. I'm a sinner. I need a fresh start. I need new life in Jesus. Today could be the day that your life starts all over, that you are reborn to be the person that God intended you to be. But for the rest of us, just think with me for a minute. For the rest of us, you're a follower of Jesus. Okay. Do you need to start over? Do you need renewal in your life today? Do you need to push the reset? I don't know what it is. I don't know what you need a, a, a do-over with. Maybe it's your relationship with God. Maybe you go, yeah, man, I, you know what? I've wandered away from God. Okay, I get it. We're living in a pandemic. It's a stressful time we've never experienced before. Okay, so God hasn't been a priority for you, the, the, the priority that you want him to be. All right, what are we gonna do about it? Is today a day that you go, I gotta start over? Today's the do-over for me. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe you need to start over with an attitude because you've been negative and you've been arrogant and you've been judgmental and you're going, this isn't who I want to be. I know this isn't who God wants me to be. Is today a day that you would start over? You would ask God for a do-over. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe you have some fractured relationship. Seems like it's beyond repair. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's with a parent. Maybe it's with a, a, a grown child. Maybe it's time to remember that whole love keeps no record of wrongs thing. Or that part about love covers a multitude of sins. They hurt you. I know. Okay. Maybe it's time to put down the weapons and say today's a new day. Let's start over. Maybe it's sin. 
Let's just call it what it is. Maybe it's sin. You have been living your life in these patterns of sin. And today you need to start over. And maybe you have been, you've been living these patterns and you've even been thinking, you know, I want to start over. I want to change, but I can't. I've been abusing drugs and alcohol for so many years. I can't just start over. I've been gossipy and skeptical for so long. It's just who I am. I can't start over. I've been looking at pornography for so long. I can't just hit the reset button. Yes, you can. Because of the Holy Spirit of God, yes, you can today. Let me read you one more thing Paul writes. He writes this to Titus. He tells us why the Holy Spirit gives us rebirth and renewal. He says, all this happens, all this, so that you might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. God wants you to be filled up with hope and life. And maybe somewhere along the way, somebody told you, you can't start over. You are the things that you've done. It's going to follow you everywhere. That's just who you are, the things that you've thought, the things you've said, you've th the things that you've done. You have to carry those around like baggage. Maybe somebody told you, you can't start over. Guess what? Maybe God sent me to tell you, yes, you can. And you can do it today. In fact, let's do it right now. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And I'm going to give you a minute just to be quiet. Just to be still. And to talk to God and do business with him. Maybe today is the day that you say, God, I got to start over. God, you know everything about me. You know all of my thoughts, all the things that I've done. You know all of my attitudes, God. Today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, renew me. Just talk to him. God, help me start over. God, in this silence, there is pain. There's shame. There's hurt. There's anxiety. There's conflict. There's embarrassment and division. But there is hope. There's hope, God, that today could be the day that for some of us we start over. God, by the power of your spirit, I pray that today is a day that someone puts their faith in you for the very first time and is reborn as a child of God. God, I pray that right now is the time, is the day that for some of us we beg you for a do-over. God, I know 
what my attitude has been like lately. Arrogant and judgmental. God, I know the hard heart, the hard spots of my heart. I need a do-over. I need to start over today. God, there's division in relationships. There's addiction. There's sin. Because of your Holy Spirit, there's renewal. There's new life today. God, thank you that you sent your son Jesus to give us rebirth, to give us hope and forgiveness of our sins. We didn't deserve it, but because of your mercy and love for us, you sent Jesus. But you don't stop there. By the power of your spirit, you draw us to you and you continue to draw us closer to you. You continue to renew us each and every day. Thank you, God. Make today a new day, a day of refreshment, life, and renewal. It's through Jesus I pray. Amen.